Pre-episode disclaimer. Haley is sick. She will be a few octaves lower, slightly quieter, maybe a little bit of low energy because all the boogers are sapping her mana. Hello and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host this evening. With me today is my lovely yet sick wife, Haley. Hello, and please welcome our special guest, the 73 boogers who currently reside in Haley's nose. Malthouse Games Podcast is a tabletop games podcast. We talk about tabletop games, board games, card games, RPGs, and Strike, the best dice game in the world. We talk about those things on this podcast. So that's what we do. But yes, Haley has been sick for a couple days. Yeah, I started feeling a little sniffly on Monday. Then yesterday I kind of got sickly. And then today I just ceased to be a human being and put on my penguin pants. And that's how we roll. I have now become the penguin pants. When Haley gets sick, it's never just a little bit sick. It's always just 100%. Like the Balls worst. to the wall. It's basically as close as you can get to the flu without having the flu right now. And I am finally taking everyone's advice and taking a day off. I had a sinus infection back in April, and I pushed through it and pushed through it and pushed through it, and it ended up being three weeks that I had a sinus infection because I didn't listen to my doctor or to anyone else, and I never actually took a day off. And so it was miserable. And so today, for the first time in a very long time, I actually went home from work, and I probably will stay home again tomorrow, which means I will continue to embody the penguin pants. Haley is notorious for overworking herself, getting sick, and continuing to try to work through the sickness. So it's nice that she's going to take a day off, relax a little bit, and hopefully get over this before our family Christmas at my parents this weekend. Hashtag self-care. Hashtag self-care. So since last episode, I think the biggest thing that we did is we went to Arkansas, to our friend Andrew's house, for our friend's givings miss, which was quite the trip driving out, Okay, y'all, if Tammy Don Brack is listening to this podcast, please turn it off for the next 45 to 90 seconds. Definitely. So there was a big storm coming. They were saying hail. They were saying tornadoes in the south side of the state. So we decided to take off basically when the storm hit where we were or just past us. Well, we caught up to the storm on the highway and we were going quick enough that we could go through the storm and then lead it to Arkansas and not worry about it. The problem is everyone else decided to slow down in the middle of the storm in the worst part, which I mean, yes, that's the safest thing to do because we did the same. But then we got stuck in the worst part of the storm going 50 miles an hour on a 75 mile an hour highway. And 50 miles per hour is the exact same speed that the storm was traveling because we had our radar systems up the entire drive and we were right in the middle for the entire trip to Tulsa. When I say Tammy, don't listen. Tammy is Delton's mom, by the way. And we were in the middle of the storm, rode in the middle of the storm until the halfway point to Tulsa, where we got gas and pulled off just as it started to hail. Then got some snacks, went to the bathroom, all that good stuff. Continued our trek to Tulsa, got right back in the middle of the storm and decided to pull off at our friend Kyle and Alicia's house and take a break about an hour and a half and let the storm go through. So that put us getting to Arkansas at like two in the morning. But it was worth it because we got a good night's sleep. We got to sleep in a room with the turtles, as Delton has posted on the Malt House Games Twitter and Instagram. And so, you know, it was the first time I've ever 
slept in a, what's it called, a herpetarium? A terpetarium? I think it's a herpetarium. Herpetarium. We had a great dirty Santa. We actually, we've been invited to Friendsgiving, which is like a three-day party for the last five years. Yes. But this is the first time in Delton and I's relationship, in our six-year relationship, that neither one of us have to work Saturdays, which is glorious. So we actually got to, when Delton got off of work on Friday, we headed up, and we spent a couple of days there, and then we played games, and we had Dirty Santa, and we ate good food, played with good friends, and then we drove back home and started the work week. And in that work week, what did we finish up on, Delton? We moved the meat over, if that's what you're hinting at. We put the meat into a new container. So far, it's still very cloudy. I need to cold crash it by setting it outside in the, like, 30-degree weather and just let that cold suck stuff to the bottom. But it's been good. It tastes delicious, which is great. But since last podcast, we've also had two great game days. One with our friends Kara and Corey. Hi, Kara. They brought their baby over to our house. We got to meet her for the first time, and she was adorable. Little Evelyn has the chubbiest cheeks. She does. We ate tamales and played with Evelyn and played games. And then the next day, we went over to Brian and Jessica's house. Hi, Brian! To play board games as well. We ended up staying there for nine hours playing board games for nine solid hours. And it was great. It was really fun. There's a game that's on Xbox and PlayStation. I don't know if it's on computer. Don't stop talking or everyone explodes. And it's a really neat game that I think board gamers definitely will enjoy because most of us like reading a rule book or at least find some sort of challenge in digging through the rules and understanding them completely. The way the game functions is that one player holds the controller and faces the screen. Every other player, either with paper form or phone, computer, tablet, looks at that player facing the screen they have a manual of rules. The player with the controller facing the screen has a bomb on the screen that has different modules, like a set of six wires and, you know, in three different colors. There's something with some megahertz going on, ends up being, uh, what was it, Morse code. They've got some that's like a Simon Says, but the colors are all swapped depending on the serial number on the bomb. And all the other players that can't see the bomb because they're not facing the TV have to go through this manual reading the rules, making sure to follow them like word for word to be able to direct the bomb diffuser and get the bomb diffused in time. Super, super fun. A lot of logical if-then-if-then work going on as well. Very cool game. I definitely recommend it for people who enjoy rulebooks or enjoy having the fun of trying to figure something out as a group. Or those who like to be under pressure. Yes, diffusing the bomb itself was really difficult for me because that sense of pressure is real. But it was super, super fun. It was. And then we got to relax on Sunday. And then this week's been a pretty good week, aside from my me getting down with the sickness, as the kids say. Haley's down with the sickness this week. I'm doing fine this week. We had a nice work outing to Top Golf. That was a lot of fun. We got free food. Can't argue with free food. But aside from that, it's just been hanging around the house and Haley being sick now. And Dalton keeps trying to get me to take a shot of uh, Goldschlager to make my sinuses open up. That's because Goldschlager burns and it's high alcohol content and it will probably hit you in just the right way. Were you, was your family like one that would give you alcohol when you were a kid when you were sick to like warm you up or break a fever or open your sinuses? Not at all. Never. What kind of weird or traditional folk healing uh, superstitious witchcraft did your mom give to you? So we never had anything crazy. Ours was very straightforward of We go to the doctor, we take medicine, that's what fixes us or makes our symptoms go away. If it was like a stuffy nose and a cold or something, though, the one thing we did that was different than all my friends 
is you would preferably lay on the couch. They would tuck in a sheet behind the cushions, because these were removable cushions because we were poor. They would pull the uh, sheet out from there and prop it up with broomsticks and boxes and stuff and put a humidifier under there. So it was just this sticky, humid, and hot couch laying session. And you would lay under there and sleep that way a lot of times at night, but you were just in this, you know, just a ton of humidity, but it would help open up your pore, your, your pores. I mean, I'm sure that happened too. Open up your nostrils, your sinuses, and help you cough stuff up, help you blow your nose better. We could probably fix one of those up in our backyard and charge Edmund Moms $300 for 15 minutes to sit under it. If we can get a tiny horse, we can call it equine humidifier therapy, and we can charge like $1,000 an hour. No, we go borrow one of Lax Kunkun's. Is that what they're called? I think Kunkuns or Kunikunis. They're little, little pigs. I can't think of where they're from. I think it's New Zealand. They're from Dr. Lack's house. Well, I know that. I think it's New Zealand, though, but they're these really cute, like, fuzzy pigs. Oh, they're adorable. They're really short, like, low to the ground. We just get a gaggle of those. We set up one of those little weird geary tents, and we say, <laughs> this is a spiritual experience with pigs. What do pigs come in? They're not a gaggle. Are they a herd? A gross. They're, no, that's not right. A pocketful. What is it? A gallon. Do we actually have this? A meter. No, for real, though. I don't know. A plethora. I have no idea. Somebody, I will look this up and hopefully post it or something. A murder. That's really interesting. By the way, Haley's not drinking this episode. I mean, she's drinking, but it's hot chocolate with nothing in it. It's bomb hot chocolate. It's one of those fancy Edmund Target organic hot chocolates, and it's delicious. That is also vegan, which is awesome. I cooked it on the stove because I care for myself. That's because we don't have a microwave to heat the almond milk. And because I care for myself. (laughs) I am drinking an Independence Harbor Amber Ale. We've had this on a past episode. Yeah, we haven't actually bought beer since our Halloween party, so Dalton's just kind of been living off of whatever people left at our house after the Halloween party, which was this eclectic array of ciders and Bud Light and Corona and all sorts of Sam Adams and other fun things. Which means our next episode's probably going to have something very holiday-style whether it be a hot cider or alcoholic hot chocolate, something like that. That's probably what we'll do next episode. I'll actually release that when the episode comes out. We'll talk about it. We just split liter bottle of McGillicuddy's. We could do that as well. I don't know what that is. Dr. McGillicuddy's? <laughs> I have no idea. It's that peppermint stops that your mom keeps in the freezer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Never mind. Thank you. I forgot about that. That's kind you put in the hot chocolate to make like a minty hot chocolate. Or you take a shot to open up your sinuses, so says Tammy Brack. Just like a uh, Goldschlager. That's perfect. But basically, after the new year, we'll be buying beers so we can have new beers that we have not had on the show before. Because we've recycled just a couple times because, you know, beer's expensive and you can't always find good stuff in singles. Hopefully we can get a couple six packs of different things and actually maybe have a party where people will drink it so we're not stuck with the same beer for like three months. But it's okay, it works. Not opposed. We talked about that we had some game days recently and we had one at Brian and Jessica's house which was a lot of fun, and it was like nine hours of just pretty much game playing and hanging out, a little bit of Seinfeld and a little bit of food, and, of course, some beer involved. But one of the games that we played that I picked up, I have liked so much every time I've played it that I wanted to make it the next game, so that's what we're going to get into. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, It's a game. So for this episode, we wanted to talk about a new release that has recently came out. I got to play it with Alex Haig and Alan Girding at BGGCon. It is a game called Cryptid. 
Real quick, before we get into Cryptid, I want to do a shout out to Alan and our friend Allison for being our awesome Patreon backers. Thank you guys for supporting us and pushing us toward a better equipment. You all are keeping us going, and we appreciate you and every other Patreon backer as well. So Cryptid is from Osprey Games, or Osprey Games, I never know how to pronounce it. Depends on if it's camping equipment or a board game company. It is a game designed by Hal Duncan and Ruth Vivers, and it's illustrated by Quanchai Moria. I wish the book had a little more on, like, people behind the design and all that different stuff, but that's what we get off the front. If you do not know what a cryptid is, a cryptid is essentially some type of creature that there is no actual proof for, but you kind of still believe exists. So Bigfoot, mermaids, the Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, those different things. Nessie. Exactly. Haley, do you like Clue? I do, I do, I do. That was terrible. It's not what I wanted at all. But I at least got an answer out of you. I don't like Clue. Never cared for Clue. You got to roll dice to move. Dumb. However, the fun of Clue is trying to figure out what other people have, what they don't have, and kind of using a weird deduction style to figure out the answer of the game. That's the fun of this, where you're eliminating possibilities as you go to get to the answer. Cryptid takes the idea behind Clue and makes it good. Excuse me? (laughs) You heard me. Excuse me? You heard me. Clue formed me as a gamer. It made me believe in myself. It is the thing that piqued my interest in gaming before the day of the Delton. Because it was something that I could do and actually beat my sister. And she had my ass handed to me in sports. She kicked my butt in softball and actually knocked me out a couple of times. She could sit on me in the swimming pool and drown me. But you know what I could beat her in? Clue. Clue and Connect God dang Four. So if you ever <laughs> trash talk any of those games again, I will fight you. And I will win. But I will fight you at Clue. Because I will win at it. So I don't like Clue. Clue's fine. It's an okay game. Not a big fan of it. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. Cryptid, on the other hand, is just very, very good. So the way the game is going to function is it's a hex-based board. uh, Six different hex tiles, randomized, depending on the number of players. There could be only four. I've played with three, two, and four on this game. The way the game's going to function is everybody has their own Clue booklet. However, if you really want to make it easy, they have a website. I think it's just playcryptid.com. And it sets up a random setup for the board, gives you all the clues, and you go. So this hex-based board has different territories on it, like a forest, a mountain, a swamp, some water. And every player has their own clue that could say it's within two spaces of a mountain. It's within one space of a bear territory, or something like that. Or it's on a forest or a swamp. Somewhere on that hex board, every single person's clue will come down to one single hex. That hex, where all four people's clues combine, is the cryptid. That's where he's located. So you're trying to find that before anybody else can. And immediately, that piqued my interest on this game. It was immediately like one of those things where everyone has these clues. They can happen anywhere on the board, but there's one spot where they all combine. There's one spot where they join up, and that's the answer, and you have to find it. What's neat about that to me is just that I like having something to figure out of my opponents. What's their special power? Where are they located? What are they up to? And this whole game's premise is basically figuring out your opponents before they figure you out. And I think that's really fun. I like the game because you are engaged the entire time. Every single move that another player makes is a clue for you. 
So whether they are putting down a cube that indicates that is not where their clue matches or that's not where their clue would work or putting down a disc indicating that is where it works, that is a clue. And so every single time somebody takes a turn, you are getting more information. And so you have to stay engaged, which makes it even more fun. That is definitely a lot of what, to me, makes this such a great game and so enjoyable is you are, you're constantly watching where people are placing, trying to read the signals or trying to decide if they're trying to like give you a fake signal or not. So the way the game works on your turn, you have two options. You have question and you have search. Question means you pick a tile on the board, you place this little pawn on it, and you ask any opponent, could this tile be where the cryptid is? They either say yes by placing one of their discs on that tile, or they say no by placing a cube on that tile. Anytime somebody places a cube, you have to place a cube, so there's always a risk of you have to give information away as well. The other option on your turn is doing a search. What that means is you pick a hex that you think is where the cryptid is, which would be the way you win the game. You place your disc on it because it has to work for everyone's clue, and everybody in order has to either put a disc or a cube. If any cube gets put out, that's not the answer and the game continues. That's the entire game. That's how it functions. It's a very simple, you either say yes, you say no, or you guess this is going to be the one and force everyone to basically tell you if it is or not. So it's really neat the way you can fake people out by saying, could this be it? But you know in reality that's not. But you can still get information about their clue based on where you're going. And you have to play this weird balancing act of, I don't want to give out too much information by searching and trying to find the answer too early. I just want to question. But you also have to give out a little information to start getting more information from other people sometimes. And it's this weird tug and pull, this, this tuggle back and forth, where you're trying to get information without giving too much, but also give just enough to get more back. And it's just a really fun game of analyzing what your opponents are doing on the board and analyzing where their pieces lie and watching every single move. And it's just really fun to try to solve the puzzle of the game as you play. Without revealing your hand. You have to be secretive the whole time, too. I mean, you have to provide information as you go. We have to do it with strategery so that you are revealing information, but you're also throwing others off of your scent. So in a way, you are the cryptid yourself. That was really bad. Especially because you bugged your eyes in the process and then leaned back like it was this huge, like, oh my god, I figured it out. I found it. I did find it. Like I found the cryptid. Oh my god. <laughs> so, I think I like the game best so far at four players. Don't judge me, I want a lot of cold medicine, that's why I didn't drink. You are. Just imagine if I would have had a beer along with this. We have not played this game at five, but so far I like it at four best. There's more going on, there's more to decipher. But to me, it feels the most fun out of what we've done. Three still feels really good. Three is awesome. It's a little bit smaller board at three. And then two, I'm not sure that I love two. So the game itself does not come marked as a two-player game. Only three to five. However, they have an official two-player variant. Essentially, you play two different colors at once. So you can give or not give clues, kind of depending on your choice between the two colors during the game. Um, it's still good, but I feel like it's less fun in that it's just you against one opponent. So even though they're controlling two colors, it's still one person's mind that you're playing against, if that makes any sense. It's kind of hard to keep both rules straight. It because is. Because one color that you control indicates one rule, while another color indicates another. And so you can place a cube that doesn't match the blue cube's rule, 
but that one matches the orange cubes rule, which you also control. So it's kind of difficult to keep those separate. It, it is, it is. So two-player was fun, but it wasn't our favorite. I think three works amazingly well. Four is probably my favorite, but I mean, it's not much higher above three. They're all good, and I think five's going to play just as well as the rest. It's been a really, really fun game. One of the best parts about this game is the price point. I want to say it's 35 at retail. So go support your local game store. If you have a good one where the staff's nice and you like going, 35 bucks. It's a hell of a game for that. It has a lot of replayability. There is an advanced mode that we have not played yet where it also gives you negative clues. And by negative clues, I mean, for instance, a normal clue could be your location is on a swamp or a mountain. You're like, okay, well, this clue means on a swamp or on a mountain. That's what I have to work with. In the advanced version, it could say your location is not on a swamp or a mountain. So immediately it changes the way you have to think about the game. If some people have positive clues and some have negative clues in the advanced mode, it just adds another element of thought. And I think that's what I like is it's a simplicity with a depth behind it to really drive the game. And I feel like this may be one of those games where the players make it. If you have players that aren't trying to like feign things and aren't trying to throw their opponents off, I don't think it's going to be as good. I think we definitely recommend getting cryptid or at least playing it with some friends to see if you want to get it. Go to a local game store or cafe, something where you can play it. It's a very good game. It's an affordable price point. It's simple to teach to others. It kind of hits a lot of the checkboxes that we look for. So to keep this episode moving, let's move past Cryptid and into the topic. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the second beer that I'm cracking, and yes, I'm drinking two full beers this episode, so I apologize if by the end I am rambling aimlessly, is another Continental Pilsner, or Pils, from Fulton Brewing Company. This is the last of the beers that Gates brought us during Token Con. Bless you, Gates. So I'm going to finish this one off, which finishes off basically all the good beer we have that we're willing to drink on the podcast. We still got Corona. Right I said it's, good beer. It's High Point Corona. Good beer. You're just trashing everything about my childhood right now, are you? I mean, that sounds really bad, Corona being part of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really bad. I'm keeping that in. You're not taking that out. Well, all right. I, I grew up Catholic in rural Oklahoma. I had parental consent, and really, I had parental encouragement. Now that my second beer for the episode is poured, and I think Haley's almost finished her hot chocolate. In my cat mug. In her cat mug. The topic for today, we just wanted to talk about games that have that process of elimination and why that is so much fun for us. So, for example, we talked about Cryptid and how as your opponents are giving clues of things that work and things that don't for their clue, they're giving you hints as to what it is. And you can slowly, based on their placement and based on their methodology, figure out what their clue is. And that puts you ever so slightly closer to the end goal. And it's just so much fun to do. We wanted to talk about why that's so much fun to do for us and maybe mention some other games that have that element involved. So when you think about it, when you play process of elimination games, you're really activating your working memory because you have to hold a lot in your head at the same time. So, for example, when you play That's Not Lemonade, when That's Not Lemonade, there are eight lemon cards, there are two double lemon cards, four That's Not Lemonades, and four ice cubes, is that right? And so, though, whenever you play a round of it, there's one card that's out, 
you can kind of see what everybody else has already laid down and start to eliminate. Okay, there should only be two, that's not lemonades left. And so there's that satisfaction of figuring out the game as well as keeping you engaged, keeping that prefrontal cortex activated because you're having to hold that information in your head for the entire round, especially if you stay in the round. You have to hold, okay, what's gone, what's not? And you just have to remember that. And so it really engages you, I think. That's why I like things like That's Not Lemonade and Clue. Because Clue, there's like, of course, you have the little notepads. Uh, Fight me. Of course, you, I'm going to throw those Kleenex boxes at you. <laughs> so, of course, you have the little notepad and Clue so you get to actually write down what you have. So the process of elimination is there without really holding it in working memory. But I think that really engages you because you have to figure it out between the terms what has been revealed and what hasn't so that you can better make an educated guess. On the most basic level, it's actually the game of memory where you're flipping cards over and just trying to remember where everything's at. (coughs) That's like the most basic, basic, basic level of this sort of game. And another game that you can do that with is basically anything where you can count cards has this element of deduction is what I'm going to call it. This element of figuring things out. So Love Letter is a game that you can, based on what you have and what's in people's discard piles, you can start to put together what's left in the deck and then start to work your in, you know, in your mind probability of what does my opponent have? That's one of those games as well. And I just there's something about that, that counting the cards, figuring it out. And then on the chance that you're correct, when you search the correct spot encrypted or you play a guard and get your opponent in love letter for the exact card you thought they might have, it feels great. It is a great moment of like, aha, I did it. You take that. And I just think that's so good. No matter what game it's in, it's always just rewarding. I think it kind of gives you a sort of mastery over the game. Even though you make the argument that Clue is really random because it's very dice-based and you're rolling, even though you can choose which direction you move based on the number of dice pips that you have, Delton, that process of elimination gives you some mastery over the game. And so for the Ameritrash games like Clue, uh, it's a little more stimulating, a little more rewarding, and a little more engaging than I think other Ameritrash games because you have that mastery over, can I remember, can I deduct from the evidence that I have what is left and what could possibly be the murder weapon. And this can even be included in games on a very minor level. So, for example, in my brain, we played Altiplano recently, right? What I liked about Altiplano is you're keeping track of what's in your bag, what resources you're going to draw. So when you look at your board and you see the resources you've planned for, what ones you've put in your warehouse, you start to think, okay, well, I think I have this in my bag left, which means on my next turn, if I draw this many, I'm basically guaranteed to draw this resource, which is what I need to do this. That kind of has that counting aspect, that element of whittling down your options or whittling down everything to where you know this is coming up. Here's the probability of this. And I feel like that's included in plenty of games and small elements, kind of like an Altiplano, where you're just reaching in a bag or in a deck building game. There's always that element of probability, what cards you've played, what's in your discard pile and things like that. But the games where that's the center of the game just have something that's extra. And of course, the process of elimination game we all know and love from 2002, Sudoku. I would never say love. I hate that game. I love it so much. It is one of two games I have on my phone. Three games. I have Ticket to Ride Pocket Edition. I have Unblock Me, which is like a block moving game. And I have Sudoku. Sudoku has never appealed to me. And I don't know if it's because it's numbers or what it is. But I'm always really bad at it. And I think it just frustrates me more than anything. Because to me, it feels more like a solitaire puzzle, which it is more of a solitaire puzzle. 
but it feels more like a solitaire puzzle, and I don't feel that there's as much of a game in it as I want. It's because you have no one to defeat but yourself. I think that's it, and I just understand that I will not defeat myself, and so I just get stuck, and I go, yeah, this game's stupid, and then I walk off. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. So that kind of gives you an overview of what we like about this sort of game. Games that have that process of elimination, that sort of almost a deductive element involved or a card counting element at times. We enjoy them. They're a lot of fun. And all the ones that we play, I end up preferring them sometimes to games that are similar because it just it has that rewarding element of puzzle solving and sometimes figuring out your friends in the process. And I think it's just really good. So now we're going to wrap up the episode with finally the question. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games Podcast special bite-sized question. The question for today, as I try to finish this last three-fourths of a beer, I can tell I don't drink two whole beers on the podcast. It's usually just one, but this is an exceptional day. You're drinking for two. Drinking for two. The question today is, based off the game Cryptid, what is your favorite cryptid? So favorite mysterious creature that doesn't really have any evidence to existence. So whenever I was about seven, age seven to age 12, I was obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster. And I checked out every single book in the Elk City Library that was about the Loch Ness Monster. And I remember just reading those books and looking at this sketchy black and white photographs are all fuzzy of this giant ass giraffe looking neck coming out of the water and being like, that's Nessie. I was convinced. Nessie was real, and I'm still convinced Nessie is real. Did you know, random fact, that in some of the lochs up in Northern Ireland, for every, those of you who don't know Loch Ness Monster, a loch is like a weird it's inlet. In Scotland. Did I say Ireland? Yeah. I'm sorry, Scotland. Uh, a loch is like a weird inlet kind of thing, and so Loch Ness is where the Loch Ness Monster lives. I've, I never understood that for the longest time, so yeah. I always think it's kind of a fun thing to say. Did you know that some of the northernmost lochs actually have a radioactive material in the bottom from the Chernobyl explosion back in, like, I think, 86 or 84. And that's why we have Nessie. Exactly. That explosion was so big from Eastern Europe. Mutant lizard. Yes, it's insane. I thought that was mind-blowing, but anyway. I think my favorite, only because it's so eerie on one magic card, is the cold-eyed Selkie is the magic card. But a Selkie is like a girl who lures you in, but she's really this weird seal creature. I think it's an Irish folklore. It's like a siren. It kind of is, but it's not. It's this weird, basically, take a mermaid and make it half seal, but then make it like, I mean, just like mermaids are in most mythology, they're very um, malicious. And it's the same kind of thing. But if you ever look up the cold-eyed selkie, or just cold-eyed selkie magic card, it's super creepy, but I kind of love it. I just think it's a really neat idea, and it's it's something you don't hear about often when people talk about these types of things. So I think that's my favorite. You just dug yourself deep into nerddom. I really, really did. I think that wraps up this episode beautifully. If you wouldn't mind, please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Write us a nice little review about how much you love us, how much Haley stinks and Delton's better, all that good stuff. If you, <laughs> I'm getting the death stare right now. If you want to follow us on social media, we I'm are- I'm about to shoot at least 37 of these 72 boogers at you. Please don't. That'd be so gross. It's like a machine gun of boogers. Ugh. <laughs> gross. Super gross. Hit us up on social media. On all social media, we are at Malthouse Games. Me, personally, I am at Delton Brack. And Haley is at... S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you want to email us, either a question, a topic, a game to cover, anything like that, 
contact at malthousegames.com. If you want to be like our awesome Patreon backers, just go to patreon.com slash malthousegames or podpledge.com slash malthousegames. Thank you for tuning in and listening. This Christmas wrapped up. This Christmas is almost wrapped up. By the next episode, it will be after Christmas. And Delton's going to spend 45 minutes talking about his new podcast equipment. Yes, and the gift that Haley bought me, then I know what it is, but I will not reveal it until I get to open it, which is really sadly going to be on, on Christmas. It's a kune kune. No, it's not a pig. Thank you all for listening so much. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys, since we won't see you till after the holidays, have a great holiday season, have a great winter, and just have some good time indoors next to a fireplace drinking some awesome beer. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.